Hello, I'm Becky Hadid, host of The Storied Recipe. As my weekly guests share their stories through the vessel of cherished food memories, we all become better cooks, more grateful for the gift of food, and we honor those that have loved us through their cooking. Welcome to an entire week of bonus episodes titled Carry Out in Corona. Of all the conflicting information we're receiving these days, I'm having the most difficulty reconciling the call to support small local businesses with the command to stay home. Is it possible to support small restaurants without contributing to the spread of coronavirus? I felt the best way to answer this question was simply to hear the stories of small food-based businesses in crisis and ask them. Last Wednesday, I hopped on the phone with Turner and Ariane, co-owners of Vegetable and Butcher, a prepared meal delivery service with a focus on plant-forward foods for intentional eaters. At every turn of our conversation, I was surprised and delighted by how deeply personal these business owners were willing to be with me, so quick to show their human sides and vulnerabilities about business ownership in the current crisis. They particularly struck a sympathetic chord in me when they shared how difficult it is to make decisions that must be made immediately while knowing that the information at hand is insufficient. And when I asked them to share a particularly gut-wrenching decision, their response astounded me and earned my deepest respect. Yeah, this is Turner. I've got Ariane here with me. Hey, Ariane. How are you? Good, thanks. Hi, Becky. (laughs) You guys are on together, so I assume you're a couple? Yep, we are life partners, business partners, and (laughs) you name it, all of the above. All right. That's a lot to take on. Yeah, (laughs) I think early on we probably struggled a little too much with uh, mm. managing boundaries. Uh, the first office we had was in our apartment. Our apartment. Mm-hmm. It was well, like a five or 600 square foot apartment. Mm-hmm. And our first employee worked from the apartment with us. So yeah. mm-hmm. um, we definitely pushed the the boundary of work life early on. Mm-hmm. I mean, we learned a ton of lessons from that and now have very clear and specific delineations between personal and professional. And we even have these goofy acronyms, R- <laughs> RP and BP for romantic partnership and business partnership. <laughs> and we will say nerdy things like, uh, all right, I'm going to put my RP hat on before speaking sometimes. So yeah, and, uh, I don't know if Ariane feels this way. Maybe she doesn't, but I, I couldn't imagine starting a business alone. Um, mm-hmm. and to have someone mm-hmm. that I trust just wholeheartedly makes mm-hmm. all the difference. Um, mm-hmm. when you're on the verge of tears and stressed out, you need someone to talk you off a ledge. And so <laughs> it can be nice that it, the RP talking mm-hmm. you off the, the beat mm-hmm. sometimes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Should do you want to say if you agree or disagree? Already? Oh yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree. Uh, there, there have been many times where Turner has talked me off a ledge, and I don't know how anyone do- does it alone or mm-hmm. starts a business on their own. Mm-hmm. Even taking it w- one step further, and having a community of other small business owners that you can mm-hmm. just connect with on a regular basis and. Uh, one of the things that one of our mentors basically mandated before we started VNB was that we join some sort of organization uh, designed to support entrepreneurs. And so uh, we're both members of a it's a, a DC based company called Netsito. They uh, the founder of Netsito would probably call it something like peer based advisory, and we would probably call it something like therapy for business owners. <laughs> 
Um, but it's not unlike an EO or another organization where you just have other people, other like-minded individuals who know what it means to right. run a small business and how much work it takes Yeah, um, that you can connect with and speak to about the issues that you're facing in your business. And in DC, fortunately, we've got such an incredible food community. It's all just so, so incredibly helpful. Good. I'm really glad that you have that. So going going back to the beginning, where did this idea come from? And when and when did that happen? I moved to DC out of grad school from Houston, mm. um, which is where I'm from. I took a job here uh, in finance, doing what a lot of people come to DC to do, which is work 80 plus hours a week. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, Ariane was working two jobs and in mm-hmm. school and we're both fitness, nutrition geeks, athletes, mm-hmm. and uh, we're really struggling to maintain the diet lifestyle that we wanted for ourselves. Okay. And mm-hmm. We were meal prepping on the weekends. Every Sunday was the same thing. It was farmer's market in the morning and then grocery store because you can't get everything at the farmer's market. Yeah. And then we'd go home and meal prep for the week. Um, yeah. But we got burned out. We were tired. Yeah. Of eating. Our entire weekend was basically spent meal prepping. And ultimately, uh, the way that we think about it is that we create time for people mm. to focus on themselves, their families, their friends, their careers. Mm. They don't have to worry about what's required to live a healthy lifestyle, at least from a food and dietary perspective. Mm especially if you're not a cook or you don't know much about nutrition, it's really challenging to sift through all of the information out there to try to understand how and what you should be eating and where you should be shopping and how you should be cooking. And so ultimately, we just make that entire process as simple and intuitive and as easy as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the value you bring is time and also, again, at an ultimate level, health. Yeah, great point. Making health convenient and easy mm. and accessible. That is an incredible service for especially, you know, like you said, that DC community. I, I, I wish I could say that we were smart enough to have chosen DC <laughs> among <laughs> all the cities in the country. I think uh, we just, we were living here and it, it kind of fell in our laps. But looking back, I don't know that there's a better market in the country for a business like this. Yeah. I don't know the country that well, but I know DC pretty well. And I can see how it's a good fit for DC indeed. I want myself and my listeners to understand what work it has taken to build your business to this point. So can you talk to me a little bit about what you guys have gone through together to go from that first idea, like some Sunday when you were just like, I can't do this anymore, to (laughs) where you are today? So I moved here in 2013 and we had incorporated the LLC for VMB uh, by the end of 2014. We didn't officially launch the business until the end of 2016, two years later. And so this was a, a common way a lot of small businesses get started as sort of a side hustle, yep. um, which meant early mornings. Uh, late nights and weekends. And we were often spending what little free time we had at the portrait gallery, actually. Oh, yeah. In the the little atrium, like sketch. That's where the the everything sort of came together for B&B. Oh, I love Um, that I can picture you guys there. (laughs) Yeah. A really funny and interesting sort of side story. 
is the first year we launched B&B, we were uh, cooking out of a commercial shared kitchen in D.C., and we moved into an apartment directly across the street just because we knew we were going to be working a lot. Mm. And a photographer, a local photographer, lived in the same apartment community. And one day we were walking past each other. We had seen each other a few times, and he just stopped us, and he said, you know, you two look so familiar. And I couldn't pinpoint it, um, but the other day... I realized what it was and he pulled up this photo that he had <gasps> taken of us two and we were sitting at a table in the portrait gallery and he said, you know, I don't know what it was, but you two just looked so interesting. And so he snapped this photo of us. But, but I, I can just imagine that he probably saw the intensity, you know, with which you were working and discussing and pursuing this. I bet that stood out to him. Um, we would take that as a compliment. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, there are some people that would probably say say we're too intense. <laughs> um, early days, it was probably another common story where we were doing a lot. I mean, we were in the kitchen late, um, and then we were the ones making deliveries early. What were you going to say, Ariane? I was just going to say we made all of the, the deliveries. We, you know, worked on the website together. We sent out the emails, made the emails. We created our. I mean, it feels like we. We did maybe 90% of everything. Yeah. <laughs> and and we made a lot of mistakes, too. I mean, mm. there were nights of past midnight uh, at the kitchen and then back up at 3 a.m. to make deliveries. And what? Ariane doesn't doesn't drive, so we would make them together. <laughs> and I, I was wow. driving, and she would she would hop out. And, and now it's all essentially overnight, and we set them at our customer's doorstep. But in the beginning, we offered three different time blocks in which we would deliver. And so... In some cases, we were interacting with customers, which was great because we were in the early days building relationships with customers that we still have today. We ultimately switched to overnight. Um, We Mm -hmm. were finding that, you know, after 7 a.m. in D.C., you just, it's impossible to to, to make deliveries and get across town. Yeah, Um, you're just stuck in traffic the whole time, you're saying. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And because we've grown and have a bigger team now who are doing more and more things, it doesn't mean it's gotten easier. In fact, in a lot of ways, the complexity feels like it's increased in geometric fashion Mm -hmm. um, in some cases. Mm -hmm. We still find that we're working it's seven days a week. You go to bed thinking about it, it keeps you up at night, and then you wake up thinking about B&B. What keeps you up at night since this has started. One thing that I've been amazed with as I've done these interviews is how quickly people have had to respond. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would love to hear about that. When did you first say like, wow, this is going to affect us in some way? And how has it affected you? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the first lessons we learned, I mean, it's a, and. It's not long ago. I mean, it was a month ago um, that despite the uncertainty, you still have to make decisions and Mm. and really important ones. And you have to recognize that you won't have all of the information you, you need in order to make a decision. That is such a critical point. Um, and no one has said that to me so clearly right now. Thank you for saying that. That is a massive, massive emotional burden to know this is a decision that has to be made. And I cannot really be confident that it's the right one. And 
you can feel confident, somewhat confident in the decision that you make, but because there's so much uncertainty out there, that doesn't mean that 24 hours later, you're going to take that decision back and do something entirely different. And so mm-hmm. ensuring that there's adequate communication with the team, and we are far from perfect uh, mm-hmm. with this, mm-hmm. um, just because you're reverting back on a decision or you have to go a different direction or make it a completely different decision uh, doesn't say anything about who you are as a person or a leader yeah. or a manager. It just it, it means that you changed your mind you felt like you made the wrong decision and you have to just you have to proceed proceed with the information that you have on hand and in the current situation mm-hmm. it feels like everything is evolving and moving so so quickly i mean at more than a daily pace um sometimes within an hourly pace new mm-hmm. information comes available yeah and um, sometimes the information is conflicting absolutely absolutely yeah. Can you give me or think of any examples of when, you know, that happened where you just thought, well, some decision has to be made here. Um, Some of the more, more, um, I guess, gut wrenching ones for you. Sure. The probably the the biggest decision that we made early in March or mid-March. I would say probably that Monday when they decided to, I think, schools Uh, Mm -hmm. So the first announcement of school closure, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, we had no idea what was ahead. We made a decision to guarantee jobs for every single one of our employees. Wow. Um, How many employees is that? uh, So we have a little over 20 employees and um, another 15 or so contractors that we work with on a regular basis for delivery. Wow. Um, and we we didn't know what that would mean. We still don't necessarily know exactly what that would mean um, wow. or what that means. But we knew that we have a team of people who are incredibly passionate about what we do, who have supported us through all the good times that we've had so far. And we knew that our expectation is that we would come out of this stronger than going in. And we wanted to communicate to our team that we believed in what we're doing and in mm. everyone that we have. And um, we want to return the level of support that we know we've re- received from from our team. So I would say that was um, probably the most significant and difficult decisions uh, Absolutely. that we made. That changes everything. When that's off the table. Yeah. I mean, it, we, we, made that decision with one of our mentors too. Mm. And I think what it allowed us to do is hopefully eliminate fear and uncertainty among members of the team so that we could focus on making other decisions. Okay. That's, I see the wisdom in that. So Mm. that was one of the first that, that we made. And, Mm. um, we, I mean, we've been affected in a lot of ways and intuitively you would think, because we're a delivery service, Mm -hmm. we would be incredibly busy right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're certainly really well positioned as Mm -hmm. compared to so many of the other businesses within the food space. Yeah. There are, there are a lot of the retail businesses with storefronts that have had to close their doors and completely shift to a different model. Mm. 
and we're fortunate because we, I mean, we haven't had to do that. There's been a yeah. lot that's changed within the business, but I think on the spectrum of restaurants who have had to completely shut their doors and then on the other end in the food space grocery stores who are overwhelmed, you know, we're probably somewhere in the middle there mm-hmm. um, and we're very fortunate for that. Um, it yeah. We haven't had to adapt. Um, we did a lot of catering events and okay. Uh, tasting and sampling events and that was actually the the biggest avenue for us to interact and engage with customers and we have three people um three full-time salaried employees dedicated specifically to that and we were doing 20 to 30 events a week and all of those have been canceled wow and postponed indefinitely so that that does explain a lot yeah so even if you did you know, even if you brought on a few more customers, you need a lot more customers to make up for that. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Um, and that was also the, the way in which we were able to engage with the community and, and right. Interact with prospective customers and existing customers and um, just meet people where they are in their everyday lives. We, we do taste, we were doing tastings and catering events at apartment communities, co-working spaces and, and gyms. And none of those, none of those are, are happening right now. Yeah. That's an incredible challenge. Okay. So I guess the way, the way I see it, there's kind of three groups of people that you're responsible to, you know, or, or you, you have some accountability too. Let's put it that way. And the first is your employees. So you discuss them, and then you know your customers is a third. And we'll talk about those at the end because I want to get in depth on that. But then there's also a group of people which are the vendors that source you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how has how has your supply chain been impacted? What do you feel like your accountability is to them? Just talk to me about that group and what kind of decisions you've had to make in terms of all of that. Sure. Um, so far, uh, there hasn't really been a significant impact on the supply chain. And most of what we require on a weekly basis, we've been able to access. There's just uncertainty. And yeah. we've got good relationships with our vendors. And so there's there's a consistent open line of communication. And I, I think that's been... Yeah. And I, I would just add that because a lot of the food we... A lot of the ingredients that we do use are sourced locally. So mm-hmm. we don't have, you know, with the exception of things like avocados, we're right. not we're not running into the issue of certain items just being off the supply chain or not being right. available. So... Uh, luckily, we use a right. lot more local products that allow that. that yeah, help us. Yeah, that's good. Um, all right, so let's talk a little bit more about your customers and it. So customers and prospective customers, right? And so mm-hmm. for people like people like me that are just trying to sort out this complicated issue of eating right now and all the all the different things that we hear, would you say that that in and of itself, so no actual particular issue, but just this idea of fear and confusion surrounding food has um, impacted your sales, that people just, they don't know what to think? Yeah, I mean, it, at the beginning in particular, we saw this very acutely mm. and 
we knew just from corresponding with customers. I mean, there's there's a segment of our customer base that were financially affected, and those who have reached out to us and let us know, um, we work with them individually to continue to, to, to be able to support them, and we want to support them. So if any happen to be listening to this and they they canceled their subscription because they can't afford it, uh, we would encourage them to reach out so that we can make it work for them. Um, there was at the beginning a lot of the, the, the sort of, I, I don't know what you would call it, but the, the grocery store rating phase where toilet paper wasn't available on the shelves and people were stocking up on their pantries and trying to adjust to life at home. Um, and, and people yeah. were, were not sure what to trust and who to trust and what to do when it came to food. What I've come to really understand about my own confusion is I think that so much of it is that the grocery store and making food at home has been has been set as the normative experience. So you're getting a lot of advice about how to handle the grocery store. So you think, well, the grocery store must be the safest thing. Now let me now let me go there. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's that's absolutely true, and so we I think we experienced that very early on, and and we saw like a, a pretty significant decline in our business during that period. Mm-hmm. And and I, I would also add that I think a lot of people were unsure of were unsure of the definition of like a shutdown or a lockdown. Like we didn't yes. know what that actually meant mm-hmm. and what that would look like. 100%. I think a lot of us assumed that it would mean we would be in that in you know at home and there was no going out or so I think that panic buying was also uh, that was a result of us not knowing what that meant Mm -hmm. I think you're absolutely right and there has in fact been a lot of vagueness in these terms Mm -hmm. and it continues to be I think part of the issue is that we really are getting again, going back to my motivation for even doing this series is this conflicting advice of like support small business, support small business. Anytime you leave your home, that's extraneous. (laughs) You're contributing to the spread of coronavirus. Well, how can I go do, you know, takeout or, or how can I ask a delivery person for vegetable and butcher to come to my house and not be contributing to the spread of coronavirus? Like we've gotten a very mixed message here, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, even the grocery stores are still trying to figure it out. Yeah, um, they don't have the answers either. I mean, no. the, the people are. I think Whole Foods is requiring that people wait outside and only a handful can come in one at a time. And this is recent, so yeah. Um, I don't know that anyone has <laughs> has the the answer. Um, yeah. In terms of what to do there, so. So what would you say specifically to people who think, well, man, that would be really nice to get some <laughs> to get some. <laughs> fresh, healthy meals delivered to me right now, but I'm worried that I'm contributing to the spread of coronavirus by having a delivery person come to my house, or I'm worried that I'm going to get contaminated food and it's somehow safer to go to the grocery store. What would you say to us? Sure. Um, So I think this is another area where we are actually fortunate in the type of business that we've built. So Mm -hmm. um, because our delivery is overnight, It's Mm -hmm. actually contactless the entire way through. So our delivery drivers show up at the kitchen around 2 a.m. They're not interacting with anyone. They're not at the grocery store shopping for ingredients. They're not checking out at a register. There's no interaction. They go in, they pick up the the bags that they need to deliver, Mm -hmm. and they deliver them to our customers' doorsteps by 7 a.m. 
So it's contactless at pickup and at delivery. It's amazing. So from that perspective, we've been fortunate because that was a practice we we have had in place for several years now. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of production and mm-hmm. uh, managing food safety, uh, mm-hmm. we've got a, a, a set of good manufacturing practices or GMPs that are more rigid than what the DOH requires of local food businesses. And so we've maintained those and then enhanced them in other ways. We've posted more signs for hand washing. We require changing of gloves significantly Mm. more frequently. Um, Face masks for the team is something that we recently ordered after CDC recommended that everyone wear face masks. Um, Our non-culinary personnel are working remotely um, unless uh, they need to be at the kitchen facility. So there are so many extra measures that we're taking. And then yeah. uh, the CDC has also indicated that the it's not through food that yeah. the, uh, that coronavirus is transmitted. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from that perspective, it's been helpful. It does, uh, it, it, our understanding is that it can stick on harder surfaces Mm-hmm. Um, in, in cardboard and included in that for mm-hmm. a couple of days. But the bags that we use for delivery are actually soft and porous, which okay. are not a great way to transmit the virus. And so I think in, in some ways we've, we've just become significantly more uh, rigid and strict in the policies internally. And then in other ways, we've been fortunate because a lot of our practices are already safe in this environment. Right. Um, and yep. so it's it's sort of just a, a couple of different things for our, our particular business. Yeah. Yeah. And for consumers, it does mean, you know, I was at the grocery store today uh, and it took me much longer than it would normally take me because mm-hmm. they were out of so many things. And then the line stretched, I, I'm not exaggerating, easily five times longer. It took me basically 30 minutes to just get up to the cashier. Um, And so when you take that out of the equation and you talk only about food preparation and what Mm -hmm. you, you know, seem to be saying is a shorter supply chain, you know, just Mm -hmm. from as much as possible from local farms to your kitchen, Mm -hmm. the amount of people actually touching and handling your food. I was actually noticing today at the store also how many times people would pick something up and look at it and put it back, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I will admit I did it. <laughs> um, and so I think that's one thing that has really, again, struck me through this is that we kind of look at like arriving at the grocery store and coming home. Well, I'm the only person who touched my food, but we leave out the supply chain and mm-hmm. we leave out the number of people that have touched it at the grocery store. And we leave out the number of people we've interacted with in the crossing and aisles in the 30 minutes that we've mm-hmm. been um, in line. So when you talk about the total number of people that have touched the food and especially how well, you know, each of those people. So if mm-hmm. someone in your supply chain, especially with your local farms and one of your employees was sick, you would know, mm-hmm. I don't know who touched the can of chickpeas <laughs> that I eventually put in my cart before I did, you know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I wasn't that nervous about going to the grocery store and now I am. Yeah, it's just I mean, we it's tough to navigate and, and mm-hmm. 
you don't know what to do. Um, right. Because it's it's not 100% clear for everyone. Yeah. And your employees, um, you mentioned this incredible goal of keeping them all employed um, mm-hmm. throughout this. What are you doing for their safety? Yeah, I mean, some of the things that I mentioned before, um, mm-hmm. non-culinary personnel working remotely. Yeah. Um, and then the rigid adherence to our GMPs. Um, and then uh, all of the additional precautions that we're taking for them. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've got, uh, we have food stations. So everyone is, you know, they're, they're working six feet away from one another. Mm-hmm. Um, right. As soon as an, an employee feels like they're sick, then, you know, they, we either send them home or they stay home. We do give our employees paid time off. Hourly employees also get PTO. So it's, you know, something that we found is that if, um, they want to work even if they feel sick. So <laughs> we definitely want to continue yeah. to pay them so that if yeah. they they're not feeling well, that they take those days off. And right, right, and that's mindful of them. That's kindness to them, and it's kindness to your customers as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, as you plan for your business through this, really what does that mean? Just planning for the next three hours, right? But would you say there are any larger goals or priorities that you have for your business? Making it through would be enough. That would be enough. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I think, I I think our focus is largely on just continuing to prioritize our team, our customers and our community to the extent that we can. And we already have partnerships with, with, other small and local businesses. Um, we've reached out to a couple of others to see what sort of partnerships we might be able to, to, to pursue in the current environment. And we've worked with Chaya in the past, the, the local vegetarian taco shop. Um, we've worked with Number One Sons and continue to work with Number One Sons. The, uh, those folks make the, the best kimchi and pickling products <laughs> ever. Yes, um, and yes. they're just great, great business owners. Um, yeah, I, I interviewed... Um, uh, Farm Fresh, and they brought up number one sons too. They've been mentioned in two of these so far. We're personally friends with them and have developed oh. good relationships with them over the past couple of years. And um, Ewa and Caitlin are just incredible, incredible humans and business owners. And uh, they they shifted gears so so quickly. They're just really thoughtful people. They're great people to do business with. They're trustworthy and honest, and um, and it. It certainly doesn't hurt that their product is, is <laughs> remarkably good. Um, so just mm. continuing to build relationships like that. And and when the opportunity is available, supporting the community to the extent that we can. We've done a couple of small things like um, we donated over 100 meals to the GW hospital a couple of weeks ago. Um, we were collecting donations on behalf of No Kid Hungry um, to support a lot of the families who uh, have children out of school uh, that were reliant on or who were reliant yeah. on school lunches. Yeah. Um, and so just trying to find ways to to do what we can, I think, of everything that's been one of the the most incredible things that we've seen is the adaptability of small businesses and, and the community to come together and support one another. So is there one 
thing you'd like to reiterate or maybe something that I haven't asked about um, for my listeners? I, I think just ending on the note that I think the the rallying around the community gives us a sense of optimism. Our entire planet has been yeah. affected in a way. Literally. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and to see people support one another and come together and, and try to help and be a part of their community. It's, it's so, so inspiring and it's just mm -hmm. incredible to, to see what we as humans are capable of doing for one another at a time like this. And so I think for us, it just gives us a sense of, of optimism. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. So I'd just like to end by you just kind of summarizing if someone is interested in mm -hmm. getting plant forward meals delivered, contactless delivery and fully <laughs> compostable products to their home, how can they find you and what process do they need to walk through once they get there? Sure. So our website is vegetableandbutcher.com. Mm -hmm. We're also on Instagram, same name, vegetable at vegetable and butcher. Um, we have a phone number on the footer of our website. Uh, it says we're nine to five, although most people on our team respond outside hours. Uh, you can email us at hello at vegetable and butcher dot com. Okay. Um, and we do only serve the the Washington D.C. or D.M.V. area. Um, getting out to areas like Tyson's and McLean and Bethesda, Potomac, Rockville. Um, but if you're trying to check out on our website or you reach out and you're not in a serviceable zip code, if you just shoot us an email, if we can, uh, we like to do our best to, to make exceptions. So don't hesitate to reach out to us. Okay, absolutely. And you deliver seven days a week? So we deliver three days a week, okay. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And mm -hmm. each delivery day includes two days of food. So we do... Wonderful any combination of breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, our entire menu is gluten-free and dairy-free. We've got a 100% plant-based option, and then we have an option that includes uh, pasture-raised or grass-fed uh, animal protein, depending on the particular source. And okay. then we also have like energizing snacks and functional beverages. Um, we're getting ready to announce a dark chocolate, uh, which is a partnership with a, a local chocolatier who makes just ridiculously good chocolate. <laughs> um, and so hopefully we're announcing that this week or next week. Um, again, if anyone has any questions, reach out and we'd be happy to connect. Awesome. It was an absolute pleasure to talk to you guys. And I really, I, I, well, I'm going to just say personally, I'm very moved by that decision that you made to protect your employees from the beginning and that you made it because you wanted them to have that in the end, but also because you wanted them to have that peace of mind now. I'm really thankful for that. And I would love to see that support, you know, echoed by the community to you. So oh, well, yeah. we are, you're making Ariane cry, cry, which is, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, okay. likewise, Becky, we, we sincerely appreciate it. Um, thank you for, for having yeah, us on. Thank and, you. Uh, what you're doing um, at a time like this to, to get information to people, uh, particularly around the food space and how to support small businesses is just, it's incredible. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. Okay. Okay. You too. Bye-bye. Right. Thanks again for Turner and Ariane. I am rooting for them and vegetable and butcher. You can find all of their contact information in the show notes for this episode. 
If you continue to be moved by the stories and the hardworking community-driven businesses we're hearing from during this series, I humbly ask you to share the episode with friends and family. It would mean the world both to me and to the business owners. In the meantime, have a great day, my friends. 